Welcome to SL Advisors Talks Energy. I'm Simon Lack. At SL Advisors, we invest in energy infrastructure. We read about energy. We talk to people in the energy sector. We write about energy. We explore how the shale revolution is leading to American energy independence and how climate change is impacting how energy is produced and used. Nothing we say should be construed as a sale of securities, which can only be made through the relevant prospectus. In this week's podcast, I'm going to talk about what would happen if we phased out coal. I just started reading a book by Vaclav Smil. He's written dozens of books. Titles include Energy and Civilization, A History, or A Beginner's Guide to Energy. Another is Power Density. He writes fascinating explanations of how energy works, how it impacts civilization, how it's evolved. He's a multidisciplinary writer. I've just started reading Natural Gas, Fuel for the 21st Century. There's no question that the Shell Revolution has greatly increased natural gas production in the United States. The result is that it's abundant and cheap. We now export natural gas all over the world. Just a decade ago, policymakers were worrying about whether we'd have to start importing natural gas. In fact, the history of Chenier Energy, who's the biggest exporter of liquefied natural gas, was that they originally developed import facilities to bring in LNG and then regasify it. And in an extraordinary story, they concluded that the Shell Revolution, of course, had taken away any demand for gas imports, reversed all of those facilities to be able to export liquefied natural gas, and now they've got a successful business sending it all around the world. Three quarters of the trade in liquefied natural gas is in Asia. It's so abundant, though, that many of the gas drillers are close to bankruptcy. Chesapeake Energy, long a poster child for fracking under the late Aubrey McLennan when he was the CEO, recently filed with the SEC that they have substantial doubt about their ability to continue as a going concern because of weak pricing. There's other companies that years ago at our business, we followed and met with Range Resources, Comstock Resources, amongst others. All of these have seen their stocks disintegrate probably 90 to 95% from some of the best levels that they were at. There's no question that the Shell Revolution has been far more beneficial to the consumers of energy and the producers. It's why electricity prices in America are a third less than they are in the European Union. It's why the US is reducing its CO2 emissions because we're switching from coal to natural gas for power generation. Natural gas now provides 37% of US electricity Last year, coal was 28% of our power. Next year, it's likely to be around 22%. Coal is a terrible way to generate power. It produces almost double the CO2 emissions as natural gas for a given amount of energy output. As well as pumping harmful CO2 into the atmosphere, burning coal generates local pollution too. Horrible elements such as sulfur, mercury, lead, and arsenic all escape into the air locally when coal is burned. China burns half of the world's coal. It's a huge source of the pollution that you see often pictures of people walking around in Beijing with their mouths and faces covered up because of the poison that they're inhaling. But it turns out that coal generates just over a quarter of the world's energy, but over 40% of its CO2 emissions, a quarter of the energy, but 40% of its CO2 emissions 
So what if the world phased out coal and substituted natural gas? What if the world went in the direction that America's going and using more natural gas and less coal? What if we went the whole way? It turns out that because burning natural gas generates around half the CO2 emissions of coal, the CO2 emissions would drop by 17%. That's more than all of the emissions that America. So think about that. If we eliminated coal, the world would do the equivalent, more than the equivalent, of phasing out America's production of CO2 emissions. The key is to get China on board because China is the biggest consumer of coal. Any serious action to combat climate change will involve China lowering its emissions, not raising them, as it currently is planning to do. And any serious action to combat climate change will involve more natural gas and less coal. We are not going to solve the problem of climate change just with windmills and solar panels. If we do solve the problem, it'll be by using more of what works. Last week, President Trump withdrew the U.S. from the Paris Climate Agreement. None of the countries who have signed it are on track to achieve their pledges. China, the biggest polluter, is rated highly inefficient by Climate Action Tracker, a website that follows these things. Climate extremists should focus on China and India. That's where the problem is. Climate extremists should focus on the New York Times. Last week, I talked about a New York Times story, very troubling that showed that several cities in Asia, including Mumbai in India and Shanghai in China, would be almost completely flooded by 2050. The New York Times included a map showing which parts would be flooded, and it relied on more precise measurement of elevation with different parts of the city to more precisely show which parts would be flooded. Thanks to Bjorn Lomberg, he's shown that this situation is actually different than portrayed by the New York Times. Bjorn Lomborg wrote a book called Cool It, where he argued that humans have always been adapting our environment to suit us and that this will continue. Bjorn Lomborg pointed out that virtually the same parts of those cities that the New York Times said would be flooded by 2050 would actually be flooded today, except for the existence of dikes, seawalls, and other forms of mitigation. He showed that the same type of analysis would show that other areas extremely threatened including much of the Netherlands and Schiphol Airport, one of the busiest airports in the world, should today be underwater at high tide, but obviously it's not. The problem with stories like this one in the New York Times is that they discredit the entire debate by overstating the issue. They devalue the legitimate concerns of many, and it's good work by Bjorn Lomberg and bad work by the New York Times that this story came out but at least Bjorn Lomberg was able to point out the flaws in it. What we need is fewer extremist views and more reasoned analysis. Thank you for listening to SL Advisors Talks Energy. To find more episodes like this one, go to our website, sl-advisors.com. There you can sign up for our blog, watch videos and webinars. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Twitter at Simon Lapp.